When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back for another edition of the Announcer Schedule podcast here, episode number five. Mike Gill, Phil DeMont-Mollin from at Announcer Skeds. As you follow him on Twitter, you listen to the podcast, you're getting great information here on the Sports Media Watch feed. Episode five, Phil. We think we have a good show planned. We have a great guest today. This guest is a -a one-of-a-kinder. I don't know that uh, anybody else does uh, what our guest today does at the level he does, so we'll tell you a little bit about that. But, Phil, Episode 5, here we go. Yeah, exciting guest. Can't wait to have Larry on the show later to talk some horse racing, but also a lot of news. You know, this news cycle never ends, even in the summer when a lot of folks might think sports are slowing down or whatnot have you. The broadcasting news continues to to roll on. Well, let's uh, do some housekeeping. You mentioned Larry. Larry Colmus, the voice of the Triple Crown on NBC Sports TV, man. One of a kind. One guy calls the biggest horse races, and we have him on the Announcer Schedules podcast. We can't wait to bring you that conversation to hear how you get into horse racing uh, and life as a horse racing play-by-play guy, you know, you don't. he doesn't just call the three big races. He's calling other races. You'll hear all about that. So stick around here at the end, uh, the second half of the pod, I should say. Don't forget, tell me a story I don't know. George Offman had a great interview this week with Ryan Dempster, uh, the Cubs voice uh, color analyst. You'll hear more about that later on in our notes today. Uh, Check out George's conversation with Ryan Dempster, always a character. In fact, if you listen to that interview, I'll give you a little insight. Phil, you listened to the whole thing. Uh, I heard it too. He talked about being kind of a practical joker, being a guy who was always the lighthearted guy and in the clubhouse, and that's how he kind of broadcast games now. So listen to that interview with George. And then John and TJ, John Lewis, TJ Reeves, Sports Media Watch, Uh, podcast. It dropped on Wednesday, and it's got a lot of good nuggets in there this week. So check that out. Check out the feed. Subscribe, rate, review, like, share. Do whatever you have to do to get the word out there. Announcer Schedules Pod. We drop on Thursdays on the Sports Media Watch feed. Okay, so you mentioned a lot to get into, so let's do it. Start off in the PGA. The PGA Tour It's at the top of the list of stuff that I'm interested in right now. This whole PGA Tour versus Live Golf, it's a big story. Uh, But now the PGA Tour, it's losing its voice, Phil. Uh, The the analyst that's been with CBS Television for such a long time, Nick Faldo. Sir Nick Faldo, he has decided to hang him up. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can underscore just how big of news this really is. You know, Nick Faldo has been with CBS for 16 seasons calling PGA golf, not only, you know, the PGA tour, but that marquee event, the masters right alongside Jim Nance, all this time from that 18th hour, actually a grand total of 18 years of broadcasting. He started with ABC and one of these guys who kind of very quickly was elevated to a top position 
joining the booth with Mike Tarico and Paul Azinger back in you know, 2004. But big news yesterday, Faldo announces his decision to retire. And this is an important distinction. According to Faldo's statement from full-time broadcasting from CBS along with the Golf Channel. And it's worth noting the Golf Channel is owned by NBC. Uh, Faldo was actually part of the coverage this past weekend at the US Open um, as part of that Golf Channel partnership and, and umbrella coverage. But Faldo announces he has a long statement on his letterhead and everything and his fancy title and his long address of his home office and all these things. And he says in there, I'm retiring from full-time broadcasting with CBS and the Golf Channel. Yep. CBS then puts out their press release um, a little later in the morning, and it doesn't quite word it the same way. It basically says he's retiring from broadcasting, and they name his successor, Trevor Immelman. And I must be honest, like, I don't know – Trevor all that well as a broadcaster. I know he's been on, you know, big shows and things like that these last couple of years, but he is fairly new to the broadcasting game. He's young, you know, joined CBS in 2019, um, you know, has, has worked with a couple other entities, including the golf channel and that kind of thing. Masters champion from 2008 and certainly has been around. Um, he's from South Africa. So it, it's an interesting, you know, choice as far as someone who might not be as, quite of i mean certainly not a, the household name that sir nick faldo is no um but kind of like you know we've been talking about with some of these other sports guys immediately coming into these marquee jobs i mean immelman is going to be the voice of the masters alongside jim nance from this point forward so big big news from the world of golf and uh interesting to see kind of you know, what might be next, and if indeed Faldo might have something else around the corner since he worded it that way in his press release. Well, he was a guest on the Dan Patrick Show, and Dan asked the good question. We'll get to that sound in a minute. He did say on the Dan Patrick Show that uh, he offered to do a partial schedule. CBS wasn't on board with that, apparently. They're just ripping the Band-Aid off. They're going right to Immelman. He's going to take over, but... Phil, we talked about Live versus PGA Tour. Would the Live Golf Tour call Sir Nick Faldo? And he answered that question. Dan Patrick's show. Here's the audio. Were you approached by the Live Tour to be an analyst at any point? No. No. Did you think you were going to be? No. <laughs> no. I'm surprised that they wouldn't. Trying to get yes, well, a big I, name. I haven't announced this officially today, but no, I, I, I really enjoy calling championship golf. I mean, that's you know, I've been with the Masters and the PGA. Well, I'm very fortunate because I'm you know with with Golf Channel as well, and then them having the two other opens. I've been in a unique position where I've been obviously CBS calling the final play. Um, for, for, for at, the, at the Masters and the PGA and being involved through the week at the other two uh, majors, the two Opens. I was up there obviously last week doing Golf Channel um, Thursday and Friday. 
Uh, but I love calling Saturday and Sunday golf. I mean, that's when it really happens, isn't it? Championship golf. All right, there you go. Uh, that is Dan Patrick's show from the Peacock Network, uh, the radio show. He asked the good question. Did they approach you? No. Are you surprised? He's kind of left a window of, well, I just made this announcement. So maybe the Live Golf Tour is listening and says, hey, uh, maybe he wants to do a partial schedule for us. Although he did follow up by saying, Phil, hey, uh, I like calling championship golf. This doesn't seem uh, like my cup of tea, but money talks. Yeah, that's true. And and they seem to still be on their spending spree. I know they continue to sign uh, big name athletes. So we'll, we'll see what's next for yes. Live Golf and for Sir Nick Faldo. Yeah, they have a uh, uh, event in Portland, Oregon in the States this weekend. So uh, the Live Golf coming to the United States, uh, the PGA Tour had its U.S. Open. A great one. Great finish there uh, for PGA. All right. The NFL, Greg Olson talking about the Tom Brady hire, and uh, he had some interesting comments regarding that whole odd situation. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about Olson uh, quite a bit on our previous episodes, and certainly, you know, him stepping into that role. Again, another example of a guy without a ton of broadcasting experience, just a few seasons under his belt. However, stepping in immediately to a number one role and also the Super Bowl albeit on a interim basis in a sense, because that'll be Tom Brady's spot eventually, as far as we understand it. And Olson spoke to uh, Adam Schefter on uh, Schefter's podcast and, you know, talked a little bit and, and a bit of it was tongue in cheek, you know, as far as, you know, he said some stuff like, you know, Tom's going to keep going until he gets 10 Super Bowls and, you know, I'll keep his seat warm and he'll, he'll keep on rolling and all this stuff. So we obviously don't know, um, kind of hearkening back, and we've mentioned it a couple times on the show, the Fox press release said Brady to join Fox Sports as lead NFL analyst immediately following his playing career. So we'll find out when that is. You know, that's Brady's time uh, frame. But it seems like all in all, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity for Olsen, um, and he seems in, in great spirits about it. How can you not be? Yeah. He gets the chance to call a Super Bowl. You know, I know some people have said some things like it's not really fair for him and that kind of thing. I don't look at it that well, way. Well, how about Al Michaels said he doesn't think that this is just as, you know, he doesn't think this is just calling games for Brady. Um, maybe Brady isn't on full time. Maybe he's part of a three-man booth, and sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. I think this is going to be really interesting to see how – they incorporate Brady. How much he does? Is it just him and uh, uh, Burkhart? You know, like how that whole configuration is going to work out. This will be very fluid. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I think most people who sort of analyze just the the enormous numbers of that contract with Brady tend to think, yeah, there's more to it than just calling the games. Uh, he's going to help out. Fox on a lot Shaking of hands, kissing babies is what they say, right, Phil? All right. Uh, announcer Schedules podcast. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to Amazon. That's official now. Studio show, Richard Sherman. I think they um, are going to be a pretty interesting team here. Uh, now, this kind of ties into a topic a little bit further on down the line, but I can tie them together. I watched the Phillies game on Peacock this week, so I did tune in at 1130 thinking I was getting the game. I got the pregame show. My question really is, are people going to tune in half hour, 45 minutes early to watch pregame on these streaming devices? Because 
I probably wouldn't have gone to, to Peacock early had I not thought the game was going to start at 1130. I ended up getting the pregame show, which was they did a good job. I, I got to say, I like they're down on the field. They give you a lot of cool angles, a lot of sights from around the ballpark. But Fitzpatrick, Amazon, studio show on the streaming service. Yeah, that that's a really fair question, Mike. You know, it's kind of unknown, I would say, at, at this point, you know, what kind of viewership those sort of pregame shows would get. You know, the studio also serves roles throughout the game as well, you know, whether it might be an update here or there or perhaps a halftime show, postgame show, that kind of thing. Uh, but once again, Amazon, you know, investing in, in big names, um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is an interesting character. You know, the Harvard graduates played for a bunch of teams, always like a really compelling interview and that kind of thing. So kind of a uh, a fun personality there. And you mentioned Richard Sherman, Tony Gonzalez, um, you know, is one of those studio analysts as well. And uh, Teresa Thompson uh, will be the, the host of that Amazon studio show. You know, we we haven't talked much about studio shows on our broadcast here, our podcast, you know, typically what I do with the announcer Sked's Twitter feed is focus on the booths, you know, who are actually calling the games. And in fact, when I promote a, any given broadcast, I put the uh, start time as close as I can find it in terms of the actual kickoff or first pitch and that kind of thing. So I'm not a big viewer of studio shows to begin with, um, but certainly there's a market there and, you know, it'll be interesting how, you know, the the treatment on the streaming platforms when it comes to studio shows. And then the other idea also is, will there be sort of a Manning cast type of secondary right. channel using all these personalities as well? Okay, uh, NBA Finals in the books. That was uh, uh, a hotspotch of broadcasters. Finished up with the team of Breen, uh, Van Gundy, and Jackson. Lisa Salter's on the post game. And uh, ABC, ESPN, ESPN Radio, Mark Kestesher, Dorsberg, PJ Carlissimo as well. So ESPN, ABC, finals in the books. Yeah, finals in the books. You know, it was it was great to see uh, Breen back after missing those couple games. And, you know, we talked a lot about that as far as Mark Jones getting those, you know, NBA finals uh, games on his resume now. You know, the one thing that kind of stuck out for me in terms of the, the ABC broadcast is, Lisa Salters, I thought, did an outstanding job with the post-game presentation. That's a tough job, talking about a lot going on, uh, because you're serving the in-person audience. You've got, you know, some sort of commissioner type up there. You've got the team owners up on the stage. You've got players absolutely losing their mind. You've got little children running around the stage as well, you know, the, the friends and family of the team. And Lisa handled it with such grace and was able to, like, bring in each star of the game in a very like friendly, you know, um, hangout type of scenario while also keeping the ball moving and getting through the show. And, you know, there was a funny moment where Clay Thompson uh, used the saying, holy cannoli, you know, and, and Lisa repeated it back. And so just, <laughs> I just wanted to, to shout out uh, Lisa Salters, really nice job there on a difficult assignment. And then the other thing that came to mind and, and part of that post-game celebration as well as, you know, the Warriors players were, were hugging their loved ones and, and uh, enjoying the moment. You saw Del Curry, you know, give a hug to his son, Steph Curry, and uh, certainly a proud moment for 
the father of the star of the Golden State Warriors on Father's Day weekend, by the way. But there's a broadcasting connection. I don't know if, if people know this, but Del Curry is a regular broadcaster in the NBA. I mean, he does a full schedule for the Charlotte Hornets. He's done it since 2015. He works alongside uh, play-by-play announcer Eric Collins, who I've actually had the pleasure to work with uh, quite a bit over the years as well. And those guys do a great job. The, the folks, um, the Hornets faithful love Collins and Curry. They bring a lot of energy and a lot of fun to the broadcast. So Curry with the broadcasting connection, but he had only one thing on his mind that night, which was yes. uh, smoking that cigar and celebrating with his son. Yes, and um, Del Curry um, and uh, Steph Curry, uh, obviously the Curry family winning championships. Del Curry, I remember him when he was uh, playing for the then um, the Charlotte Hornets' first incarnation when they were an expansion team. Del Curry uh, on that team. By the way, Mark Kesticer, the radio voice, we're hoping to have him on an upcoming broadcast uh, podcast, I should say, here on the announcer schedules. We are efforting that. I think we have a date maybe now down for Mark. He does a great job on radio uh, as well. So the NBA Finals, they're in the books. Kesticer and that crew, great job. ESPN, ABC, uh, they had their obviously troubles in the beginning because of the COVID situation. They got past it and a good job on the NBA Finals. Stanley Cup still going on. In fact, uh, game four is on tonight while we're recording the podcast. This will drop tomorrow, so that will be in the books. Friday night will be game five, and uh, these teams, Phil, on ABC Sports and Sports USA Radio will have the call. Yeah, the ABC team of Sean McDonough, uh, Ray Ferraro has been handling the analysis, and Emily Kaplan in the reporter role. Kind of interesting, again, kind of going back to these press releases um, ESPN PR um, on their listing for the Stanley Cup finals on ABC. They also list Brian Boucher as an analyst along with Ferraro. And they've got him in sort of a different role where he has sort of his own little studio location. And they go to him a couple times throughout the, the broadcast. A lot of these um, hockey but, teams do like a little between the glass. They have a guy down there ice level. Yeah, so – this isn't the case with Boucher. Like they, they've got him in a different spot, you know, and the, the closest thing I can equate it to is on NASCAR's Fox broadcast. They use Larry McReynolds in this role. And it's almost like McReynolds is the, you know, the technical expert and they'll go to him in a studio setting every once in a while and incorporate it into the show. So just wanted to mention that um, sports USA, um, our previous guest, John Forslund, you know, had done one of the conference finals. His partner, Joe Micheletti, is the analysis, uh, the analyst for Sports USA. John Ehlers, who's the voice of the Anaheim Ducks, is the play-by-play man. And then they've been using an ice-level analyst slash reporter as well, uh, Billy Jaffe. So, um, you know, great listen on radio as well. Yeah. And uh, we'll see if that series continues, you know, certainly from a ratings perspective, which I know the Sports Media Watch guys are, are watching closely. Uh, it would be interesting to see if this goes six or seven games. Yeah, I was in the car the other night, and our radio station here in Atlantic City, we are carrying the Stanley Cup final. So I heard the call from Sports USA Radio uh, really do a great job in, in calling that. In fact, I was sitting in my car in my driveway continuing to listen, and it was during that review when there was like that five-minute review going on on that goal there. So uh, 
Great job from Sports USA Radio and, of course, uh, on the TV side as well. Charles Barkley, by the way, he made his uh, appearance, said, Gary Bettman, I asked him for tickets to game number three. Yeah, no, no doubt. You know, Barkley comes, he happened to be in the building at the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning um, venue. And I don't know how much of this was, you know, pre-planned or, you know, what the arrangement was necessarily. It is interesting to me that one of the, the huge stars on the competing network, you know, would appear on the uh, studio show for the uh, ESPN ABC broadcast. But, you know, I, I don't know if, if networks are as territorial as they, they used to be on this kind of thing. And yeah, there I've is seen, much. Um, I've seen Shaq doing first take a lot. You know, Charles Barkley's been on Get Up. So you're seeing these um, maybe the partners of, you know, TNT, Turner, and ESPN are both NHL. So maybe they're saying, hey, we could share, you know, some talent there. Yeah, and that makes sense when you when you look at it through that lens, no doubt. But certainly, Barkley added a lot of entertainment to the show coming on to that uh, studio show. Okay, Sports uh, Media Watch feed is where you can find this podcast. Announcer schedules. We are ripping through PGA, NFL, NBA, NHL, now Major League Baseball. I said earlier I watched the Peacock broadcast on Father's Day. Uh, Peacock, Apple Plus, YouTube packages—they're all continuing. And uh, I, I saw the Peacock game. Uh, uh, Joe Benetti does the play-by-play. He did it with – now they do it with one analyst from each team, Ruben Amaro Jr., Phillies, Kevin Franson, Nationals. Uh, I like the broadcast. I like having the two viewpoints. I think Benetti does a solid job of kind of just, you know, handling it and getting out of the way, does a good job describing the action. I got to be honest, though, what I really like, and I don't know that if Peacock just has better access, they got great camera views. Like, they're giving you camera views from really cool angles, and you're getting to see some different views that you don't get on the regional sports network broadcast. It almost feels like the camera guy is either right on the field, circular uh, to the pitcher or the hitter, uh, but there's a lot of cool views that you're getting of the stadium in the game in the Peacock broadcast. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you mentioned that because that was one of the, the things we pointed out about the Apple Plus broadcast on Friday nights, too, as far as their picture that quality. I haven't seen and- yet, by the way, Phil. I haven't seen an Apple Plus game live. I can't get Apple. I don't have an Apple phone. I can't get the app. I can't get it my television at home. I can't download it. So I cannot get the I have not seen an Apple Plus game yet. Well, and that alone, Mike, as far as your experience with it, is valuable feedback because yeah. if it's happening to you, imagine how many folks who, who don't uh, you know, live and breathe sports are having well, trouble finding and it. And I have Peacock because I have Xfinity. So it's, it's a, it comes free if you're an Xfinity uh, subscriber, which I am. But because I, w- I have Xfinity in my bedroom, I was outside on my porch, which means I needed to stream it from my phone, which means I had to download the Peacock app and then stream it, which means I needed to download the app, sign in, I forgot my password, yada, yada. Once that's all up, the experience is fine. Now, the complaints that I hear, Phil, from the sports fan, and this doesn't have a lot to do with the announcing because I think the broadcast themselves have been good. It's, hey, when there's a commercial at a baseball game, I want to flip to channels to see what else is, what other game's on. That experience can't happen when you're streaming. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense as well. Uh, how did you like the approach, Mike, as far as, you know, one analyst from each team? I like that. I actually like it a lot. I like the fact, and now Kevin Franson 
did the Phillies on radio for a while, so he knew the Phillies pretty well as well. Maybe that added to it. But I like hearing, you know, the two sides. You get both kind of uh, takes on different things that are happening now. Amaro's interesting because he was a GM. Now, he played, he was a coach, but he also has a GM mind. And, you know, you hear from a GM's perspective, and then you get the utility player in France. And so those two had a good dynamic. I think they knew each other. I'd like to see it when you have two analysts who maybe don't know each other that well and how that might work. You know, hey, we're going to take the guy from the White Sox and pair him up with the guy from the Orioles and see how that works. But these two guys knew each other, and you could tell they were having some fun. As of this taping, I haven't seen an announcement from Peacock as far as who the announcers will be this weekend. But this weekend's matchup on Sunday, Mets-Marlins. And so this will be yeah, interesting. Ron you Darling know, there? Yeah, will we get Darling or uh, Keith Hernandez yeah, because on the for, Mets side? For instance, Phil, the Phillies broadcast on TV has multiple broadcasters. John Cruck, Ben Davis, Ruben Amaro. They split the time. And on Sundays, Mike Schmidt joins Cruck. So the Phillies have four different options they could have taken. They went with Amaro. So you're right. Who are they going to take from these broadcast teams? Yeah, and, and certainly Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling are, are big names and, you know, attractions in and of themselves when, you know, they're calling a game. You know, in the Marlins, kind of like what you're describing with the Phillies, have a bunch of guys who rotate in and out. Uh, you know, to me, the, the most noteworthy is Tommy Hutton, who has been doing it for years, and he's still part of that crew. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether it be Hutton, Jeff Nelson, Gabby Sanchez, somebody else from the Marlins, and perhaps Hernandez or Darling uh, from the, the Mets side. All right, local radio level Mets, uh, excuse me, Yankees. We told you in uh, a previous announcer schedule podcast, John Sterling's going to take some time off. Uh, who are some of the uh, – who is the replacement? How are they going to uh, fill his role? Yeah, it's interesting because I see two things happening at once here. You know, we're having these play-by-play announcers fill in for Sterling this season while Sterling has the abbreviated schedule. Uh, Certainly, that's kind of a first things first idea. However, there's ultimately going to be a replacement, a full-time replacement of Sterling. We don't know when that's going to be necessarily, but one of these days. And so I kind of see this as an audition for that as well in a lot of ways. And Brendan Burke, who we mentioned as part of that TNT NHL coverage, uh, he's also the regular voice of the New York Islanders. Um, He's going to be stepping in for Sterling um, on a couple road trips in July at Cleveland and at Pittsburgh. So looks like he'll get a bunch of reps there. Um, uh, uh, Sweeney Murdy is going to be in there for one of them. Justin Shackle, uh, Ricky Ricardo, who we spoke about. You know, on the from the Spanish side of things yeah, is going to cross over. He used to do Philly Spanish radio. So we'll see. And if there's some more names, you know, there's even more road trips that haven't been announced um, as far as who will be sliding in there in that Sterling role. But that is a glamorous, big time job there for yes. somebody uh, to ultimately. Um, succeed John Sterling. Uh, one of the podcasts you can hear on the Sports Media Watch feed, George Hoffman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. This week's guest is Ryan Dempster. We encourage you to listen to that. Phil, you listened. Uh, what are some of your takeaways? Well, you kind of mentioned it earlier in the show a little bit. Dempster is just such a fun-loving personality and interesting guy, and I think he fits perfectly with sort of the Cubs 
you know, a way of doing things and that Harry Carey, you know, feel. And so Dempster is sort of that, you know, loosey goosey, fun loving uh, announcer. You know, he does some work in the booth as far as a uh, um, analyst goes, you know, Boo Shambi with, as the play by play uh, announcer for the majority of those games on marquee sports network. But the story that Dempster told on George's podcast that got my attention the most, he brought up an announcer that I haven't thought about in years and is part of my uh, early upbringing, which is Jay Randolph. I don't know if you know that name. Randolph did a lot of network TV as well for, for NBC over the years. I believe he did a lot of work out of St. Louis um, over time, but he was one of the original announcers for the Florida Marlins. And Dempster spent a little time at Florida uh, early in his career as well before, you know, becoming a big star with the Cubs and so forth. And uh, he tells a hilarious story about how he pulled a prank on Jay Randolph, who's one of these sort of like, you know, he's the kind of guy who he would dress like, you know, he's going to a country club, you know, for the, for the, for the game. And, you know, a, a little, you know, um, you know, would wear, not afraid to wear the coat and tie and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, certain, certainly a buttoned up guy, not used to practical jokes, you know, when it comes to an interview and Dempster tells that story, which was a lot of fun. We encourage you to check out that full cut podcast. Tell me a story. I don't know. George Offman does a great job finding uh, great media personalities that have a Chicago tie, many of them national. Uh, Ryan Dempster is a uh, good storyteller on that podcast. Uh, this is the Sports Media Watch feed. John Lewis, TJ Reeves this week. Uh, they are pontificating uh, regarding the NBA Finals. They have a great interview with um, Lindsey Zarniak over there as well and a good conversation regarding NASCAR possibly being a good fit for Apple Plus. So uh, check out their podcast as well. All right, we're getting to the news and notes segment. College World Series, that's on ESPN all day long. The metal bats are pinging all over the place and on Westwood One Radio. Yeah, that that's such a great event in Omaha, you know, the community gets behind that event in such a big way. And yeah, ESPN has been doing it for years, you know, in terms of, you know, covering these games, CBS used to do it as well back in the day, especially like the, the final game, but Carl Ravitch and uh, Eduardo Perez, who you see on Sunday night baseball on the MLB level for ESPN. Uh, he's been, they've been one crew, uh, Ben McDonald, who was a, a big time uh, college pitcher back LSU. in the day for LSU. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Baltimore, um, Baltimore Orioles, by the way. But by the way. Y- yep. No doubt. So uh, McDonald's been part of the action. Is he um, a part of the Kyle Orioles? Peterson. I think he's a part of the Orioles broadcast team too. McDonald. Huh. Um, Peterson. I don't know if you, you're familiar much with Kyle Peterson, but he's had kind of taken an interesting approach where he's really focused specifically on college baseball throughout it his broadcasting career and has become an expert of such in terms of the, the college baseball side of things. Also Chris Burke and other analysts, Mike Monaco, who, you know, if you were following the Twitter feed over uh, college basketball and that kind of thing, and, and throughout baseball as well, you would know that name. He is sort of the secondary play by play guy. And then Chris Budden, who does a lot of work across all sorts of, sports at ESPN, um, along with Danny Wexelman handling the reporter duties. But they've been doing a great job. It's been fun to watch that. You know, it's a three-game uh, championship series now, you know, a best of three um, that'll, 
get going once, you know, all the elimination games and in, in the round robins are, are complete and that kind of thing. And, you know, um, Ravage will handle games one and three. If it goes three, Monaco will handle game two. And then Peterson and Burke uh, in the booth as well with Chris Budden reporting. And you mentioned Westwood one, uh, Kevin Kugler uh, has joined that crew. He actually was, uh, doing some USFL work. Uh, so uh, John Bishop, Gary Sharp were handling things um, along with Connor Happer down on the field. And then Kugler has joined the crew. There's so- What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So many games that you sort of need a bit of a rotation just to to keep everybody fresh in these booths. And um, it's my understanding also Scott Graham's going to join the crew uh, for the championship series. So uh, fun to watch those games on ESPN and listen to them on Westwood One. Yeah, Ben McDonald, by the way, he does some uh, radio for the Orioles. He had a moment that everybody has been talking about at the College World Series where he talked about his failure uh, as a freshman, uh, the big moment for him. I thought that was a pretty chilling moment where he's talking about the pressure of the College World Series, really bringing the, how big of an atmosphere this is for these college kids. Uh, so good job for Ben McDonald. You mentioned Kevin Kugler. Uh, he was also honored, and we have a new voice for uh, the Florida State Seminoles. A big job down there as well. So two nuggets for you there. Yeah, Kugler, he was awarded at in Omaha, you know, f- at the College World Series with a major award from the National College Baseball Writers Association. Uh, longtime executive director Bo Carter, you know, presented this award, and Kugler was uh, – named the recipient of the Anderson Snip Award for National Contributions to College Baseball. And he is a Nebraska native, uh, grew up in Lincoln, and has been part of this College World Series and this college baseball scene for years and certainly has done great work as a broadcaster, uh, broadcasting those games and helping grow the sport of college baseball. So congrats to, to Kevin Kugler, who, by the way, you know, this is just anecdotally, I've never – 
done all the numbers or a spreadsheet or anything like that. But Kugler was as busy as anybody this past year between USFL, uh, college basketball, college football, multiple networks, uh, Westwood One, NFL, it right. goes on and on. Yeah, he, we routinely will hear him do NFL games, uh, Thursday night games, Sunday night, Monday night, one of those uh, he's usually involved in, college football, Kevin Kugler, and a uh, new play-by-play at Florida State. Yeah, Florida State uh, announced their new voice, their new play-by-play announcer for both football and men's basketball. Jeff Colhane has gotten that job. Uh, comes from North Dakota State, you know, who was that, you know, powerhouse uh up there in that part of the country and he comes down to tallahassee to take over this job by the way mike he, previous stop includes uh west virginia so i did see that now what sport do you know what sport he did at west virginia it seems like women's basketball so after he and i time. have something in common because i used to be the play-by-play voice for mountaineer women's basketball so he and i now have something in common that's right. Sounds like a bit of a pipeline you guys got going down there in, in Morgantown. But, you know, hey, a big way, assignment. The, the for- play-by-player for WVU Sports is uh, Tony Caridi does the basketball and football. Very cool. Yeah, hey, some big shoes to fill, however, for Cole Hain. This is never easy when you're re- replacing a legend like Gene Deckerhoff, yeah. who was calling Florida State football uh, since the 1970s. And, you know, so people are used to a certain voice. So I I, I, um, I congratulate Jeff, but at the same time, I, I wish him the best of luck because that's not an easy assignment stepping in for a legend. Well, that transitions, uh, transitions us well. You're used to hearing a certain voice, and when you hear the Triple Crown, you will hear this voice. It's Larry Colmas. He is the voice of the Triple Crown, NBC Sports. But we're about to find out. Uh, where else you could hear Larry as he joins us right now on the announcer schedules podcast as he jumps in to the podcast here. Larry, first off, we thank you and welcome you uh, to the announcer schedules podcast. Welcome aboard. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, nice to be on with you and have a little fun. Yes, uh, this should be fun because, you know, um, you have a very unique talent, I believe. Uh, I do a lot of play by play. We follow play by players. But not a lot of guys cross over to the horse racing game. Tell us how you kind of matriculated that direction. How did you land up as the voice of the Triple Crown? Well, I've always done horse racing. It, it, it started out uh, a, a unique way, I guess. My, my father was the fellow that put in the sound system at the Maryland State Fair at Timonium. And they had a, a racing meet there. And so he would take me to the track uh, to help him along. And it, we quickly found out I was mechanically incompetent. That was not going to be happening. So I fell in love with the horse racing. I just started watching the races, uh, meeting all the people up in the press box, a lot of the characters at the track. And I'm like, I fit in, you know, I, I really like this a lot. And uh, so I started watching races from around the country, listening to different race callers and their styles. There's so many different guys out there. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I can try this. And so I started practicing into a tape recorder in the press box at the Maryland tracks. And then one day the general manager at Pimlico heard me and said, let's get you started and we'll put you on the mic calling you one race a day. And I was 18 years old and I've been doing it ever since. It's uh, It's been a, a wild uh, rise to where I've you know ended up with NBC. Never even imagined that would ever happen. But uh, here we are. Yeah. Well, Larry, you mentioned styles and and and. 
you know, as someone who listens to a lot of these play-by-players, I feel that the horse racing play-by-players have such a unique cadence and style. Um, do you agree that there is a special cadence and spot style and pacing that makes uh, you guys stand out? I, I think it, it definitely is uh, different from calling other sports. I think the closest people have said this, and I tend to agree, is hockey. Uh, where there's just a, a lot of bang, bang, bang going on and you're just on top of it all the time. But as far as racing goes, I mean, there are a lot of different styles of, of different guys around the country. Uh, and I, I think for myself, it, it became kind of a mishmash of everybody until you, you finally become you. Uh, and I don't really think about it. I just, I do it and you know, whatever, whatever, however it comes out, it comes out. So I, you know, I, I know I've talked to a lot of guys out there in, in the broadcasting business and, and have, and have done play-by-play -play in a lot of sports, and a lot of them, including guys like Mike Tarico and Bob Costas, they're like, I could never do that. You I know, agree. And I'm like, well, I, <laughs> I could never do what you do either, you know, at least uh, as far as I know. But uh, it, it is different for sure. Larry, thanks a lot for, for joining us this morning. And, you know, you mentioned those early days and how you first got started as an 18 year old and so forth. But can you take us from there once the opportunity started to get bigger and bigger and then ultimately with NBC? Yeah, sure. So I was uh, I was at the backup announcer in Maryland for a couple of years in the mid 80s. And then I got my first full time announcing job in Birmingham, Alabama in 1987. Brand new track there didn't last very long called the Birmingham Turf Club. Uh, and then uh, ended up getting the job out in Northern California at Golden Gate Fields in the San Francisco Bay Area for a few years. Then made my way east, uh, back to the East Coast, to uh, Boston, to Suffolk Downs, uh, which unfortunately is no longer with us either. And uh, also got the job in, in 1994 at Monmouth Park in New Jersey. And that's where I've moved to and I've lived ever since at the Jersey Shore. I've been uh, a resident here for, for many years. Um, after um, and during my years at Monmouth, I got the announcing job at Gulfstream Park in Florida, and I was working down there as the as the announcer. And uh, this was this was 2011. Now I remember this very well. I'd been calling at Golden Gate for, uh, excuse me, Gulfstream for, you know, several years, and it, it used to be a track that just ran in the winter, and the the meet was coming to an end. And uh, got a phone call. The phone rang in in the announcer's booth, and the, the fellow on the other side said, this is uh, Fred Godelli, and I'm the uh, producer for the Triple Crown for NBC Sports. We wanted to talk to you. And I'm like, uh, okay, uh, what about, you know? And they're like, well, we, we were wondering if you were interested in becoming the, the guy that calls the Triple Crown. And so first thing I thought of is, what jerk friend of mine is playing a joke on me? Uh, and as it turned out, it was not the case, it was real. And I, I remember my immediate response was, that's Tom Durkin's gig, because he had done that for so many years, but they had not made it public that Tom was actually stepping down. So Fred reached me, and sure enough, a few days later, I'm on a plane to New York, and I'm at 30 Rock meeting with, with Fred, Rob Hyland, who went on to be our producer, Sam Flood, the executive producer for NBC Sports, and had lunch and answered their questions. And I remember I'm in, I'll never forget this. I'm in Fred's office getting ready to get out to go back to Fort Lauderdale and so I can go back to work and they're, they're planning everything. And I, I look behind me and in walks Dick Ebersol, who's like the chairman of NBC Sports and the NFL schedule just came out. 
So, uh, so he says to Fred, oh, we got this game. We got this game because Fred's also the producer for Sunday Night Football. And Fred's like, this is Larry. We're talking to him about replacing Durkin, you know, and, and he's like, all right, yeah, but we got this game and we got this game and we got this game. And then as Ebersol is walking out, he turns around and he goes, hey, Larry, do you believe us now? <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, wow, he's busting my chops. This is a good thing. It's a, <laughs> so we, I, I fly back to Florida, I'm meeting a friend at the airport. We go out to dinner and I'm in the bathroom and the phone rings, my cell phone rings, and it's Fred Gadelli saying, welcome to NBC Sports. And I remember I ran outside and I screamed at the top of my lungs. I was so excited and, and it was completely unexpected. And it's led to other things like becoming the announcer in New York for years, which I've unfortunately had have left that position in, at, at the New York Racing Association. But uh, now a dozen years of calling the Triple Crown, it's just crazy. What a moment for you, and uh, congrats, you know, and it's been great as uh, sports fans to have you ever since that moment that you described at NBC. Now, as far as, you know, your assignment on any given race day, when it comes to that network level, what does that look like for you, a day in the life uh, for you as far as preparing for the race and then actually calling the race, as opposed to perhaps working full time at some of these tracks that you described? Well, as far as the Kentucky Derby goes, that's the... That's the race that takes the most preparation. And uh, to me, that, that actual preparation begins in the winter when you start watching the stakes races uh, of the prep races for the Kentucky Derby. And you start to get to know the horses and, and get them in your head and, and start to get a feel of, of what it's all about. Uh, and then when we get close, you know, maybe two weeks out, I make these flashcards of all the jockey silks. And that's how we separate the horses is the silks that the jockeys wear. It's the easiest thing to see. And so I'm constantly like for two weeks, just 10 times a day going through my flashcards of who the horses are, who the jockey's going to be, what their running style is, the whole thing. And then um, you, you get to Kentucky Derby Day, you know, and we're there all week. I usually get there Tuesday of Derby Week and, and we have meeting after meeting. Uh, and when we don't have a production meeting, I go upstairs to where I'll call the Kentucky Derby and practice calling races from that booth. Uh, just get a feel for calling the live racing from Churchill Downs. And then then Derby Day, uh, you know, you got your, your meetings in the morning, whatever you got to do. Uh, you know, they put makeup on me because I'm on camera for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, but by the time you, you get upstairs, you know, it's 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 time to go. And you call these uh, the undercard races. And then there's the, the race between the Kentucky Derby or before the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Derby. And that hour and 15 minutes is complete torture because all you do is like, oh, God. Larry, yeah, it, it, if, if you take <laughs> us inside, like, there is a video of you calling the race. They kind of have the camera on you. It doesn't appear that it's like a normal broadcast booth. It almost looks like you have a suite to yourself and that you get to just kind of let it all go in that room. It looks like a very unique setting to be able to be the play, but there's no color analyst with you. You've got it. You've got the room to yourself. You are taking us home. It is a teeny tiny suite. It's not very big, <laughs> but, but it is. So the they're best not serving drinks or food in there. Yeah, well, whatever we can find. Usually, uh, you know, we, we send people out to, you know, get us something to eat or whatever. So with me, it's uh, it's me and my audio person, the A2, who is there 
And they, uh, for years, it was a lady named Sarah Lee, and she just uh, she just retired. And Andrea was with me this year, and so she's when the Derby is running, she's standing right behind me. But it's just us, and it's a teeny tiny room. Uh, and uh, yeah, but but I I I do get into it. Yeah. I don't even know I'm doing it. Like all this fist pumping, I don't even know I'm doing it. You know, because I'm just well, so you got excited. the binoculars in one hand, you're yeah. fist pumping in the other. I mean, it's a scene, man. I love it. Good thing I don't drop them, right? Hey, uh, yeah. on that. Uh, you're talking about being in a suite at Churchill Dow's. You've called races at Saratoga, which is thought to be the oldest uh, athletic venue in the country. I've been there numerous times. Just walking in there to watch a race is awesome. Right. But calling a race from that place must be a complete memorable experience. It's fantastic. And and, and the, the announcer's booth at Saratoga, as far as sight lines, is absolutely terrible. But it's <laughs> It's Saratoga, so you don't care. Awesome. You know, it's it's such a great place. There's there's all these like poles in the way, and you know everything like uh, you know reflections off of car windshields. You're too low, you know, but you don't care. You're at Saratoga, and it's it's fun. You it's know, unbelievable. It's, you, you mentioned. I wish I was still there, to be honest with you. It's just it's unfortunate that I'm no longer calling there, but uh, but it it is. It, it's a great place, and and when you step onto the grounds at Saratoga, you just get that special yes. feel. It's just it's just one of those places like Fenway or Yankee Stadium. thousand percent. You mentioned that you're at the Jersey Shore, as am I. I'm down here in the Ocean City area. I've, I, mm-hmm. I equate going to Saratoga like I'm walking on the Ocean City boardwalk. It's just like there's family and fun and food, and here's this amazing track that just opens up, and you're like, it's just a, almost like a city within itself, that horse uh, track, the way the community comes out. It is truly special. Larry Colmas is with us. Um, you mentioned Monmouth Park. I guess you kind of uh, got some national fame for a race you called there, August twenty second, 2010. Uh, I played this race in the car for my girlfriend and my friend's wife. They laughed so hysterically that I had to play it for them a second time because they couldn't hear your call. I'm sure you know which call I'm talking about, but is that a call that uh, people still talk about uh, that race at Monmouth Park. So there's two horses that are completely coincidentally in the same race named My Wife Knows Everything and The Wife Doesn't Know. And I did not even realize until maybe two hours before the race that they were even in the same race because their numbers were so far apart in the program. You know, so you're and I'm like reading the racing form and it said, oh, this should be an interesting race call. I'm like, what? What should be an interesting race call? I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, these two are in the same race. And so my first thought is just don't mess it up. Just get their names right and just let it happen. So the horses are racing down the backstretch. And, you know, after you call so many races, you can get a feel as to what horses are, you know, are doing better in the race than others. And, you know, who's going to make a move. And I'm I'm looking and I'm like, you know, these horses are both running really well and they're heading into the turn. And I remember just I had a friend of mine that was sitting on the couch in the announcer's booth at Monmouth, which is a lot bigger than the booth at Churchill, where I call the Derby. And I turned around and I just go like this. And because I, I know what's going to happen. My wife knows everything and the wife doesn't know. Take over. They're first and second, and they come all the way down the stretch that way. And of course, my wife knows everything wins. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was it was Oh, funny. And I just figured I'd get a couple of, you know, chuckles from text messages from friends. Next thing I know, I actually went up to Saratoga just to hang out at the races there on Monday, back in the, when they were running on Mondays. And I get a call from Monmouth Park. It's like, we need you to come back. 
like, why? We don't run again until Wednesday. They're like, well, uh, the CBS morning show wants you on. Inside Edition <laughs> wants you on. I'm like, what? Uh, and it just blew up. You know, there were, you know, millions of uh, views on YouTube. And it, it, and I'm like, this, this is a claiming race. You know, it's it not was a- amazing. <laughs> it, and, and by the way, you handled it great when they both got neck and neck. You threw in there so casually. <laughs> of course they are neck and neck. I mean, it was so well done. You've also called multiple triple crown winners. We didn't get one for a while. You've got two. Uh, how do those races kind of stand out when you're at uh, the Belmont and getting that opportunity when they've got the first two? Is that race a different feel from ones that don't have that horse in that moment? Oh, yeah. I mean, when when you have a triple crown on the line uh, at the Belmont Stakes, it is dramatically different than a Belmont Stakes without a triple crown on the line. And and I, you know, when, when American Pharaoh uh, won the Preakness, as soon as they crossed the wire, I'm like, oh my, here we go. Because I mean, I, I've had it a couple of times. I had it with, I'll have another who was scratched the day of the Belmont Stakes. He won the first two legs. And then the year before we had California Chrome, I'm like, here we are again, you know, but this time, Unlike California Chrome year, I was also the voice of Belmont Park. So I'm calling it for both NBC and for the racetrack for the first time. And and Tom Durkin, who called it Belmont for 24 years, never got to call a triple crown. He was like 0 for 9 horses that were going for the triple crown. And I'm, I'm like the, the whole lead up to the race. And, and I, I kept talking to different people. And the one guy that I respect so much that we worked with for NBC for so many years and is a dear friend, Tom Hammond. Uh, we, we talked and I said, Tom, a couple of people have said I should just kind of wing it and just be natural for the call. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And and, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't think that's right. He goes, I remember exactly what he said. He says, Larry, if you're going to call a moment of history, you better have the right thing to say. And I'm like, exactly. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, what's everybody thinking? You know, um, he's finally the one. The 37 year wait is over, you know, and, and all these thoughts are in my head. And thank goodness that American Pharaoh let me do it. You know, he won the race by, you know, five and a half lengths. And I was all the things that I was wanted to say in the call, I was able to say because of this amazing horse. And, um, you know, I, I, when it was over, it was like, oh, my God, I just called the first triple crown in 37 years. And, and the other cool part of that story, guys, is that it was 30 years and one day from my first ever race call on the microphone. Wow. That I got to call American Pharaoh winning the Triple Crown. 30 years and one day. And I'm like, I-, I can't believe this. And then, of course, three years later, we get to do it again with Justify. And I felt bad for Justify because American Pharaoh took all the steam out of it, you know, by winning it in 15. But it was still a tremendous feat because only 13 horses have done it. And and was that that day at Belmont Park was it? There's nothing that could ever beat it. And then more history, Larry. This past summer, you know, just a couple months ago, at the Kentucky Derby, Rich Strike, you know, eighty to one long shot. Can you take us through that call, that final stretch? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell told other people, and, and this is, I I'd rather I wish I had picked him up sooner, you know, because. You know, he sort of just came along at the very end, and I just picked him up at the very end of the race. But it, it worked out okay. 
what what happened was these you know here come the the two favorites that we were expecting epicenter and zandon they had both made their moves they've taken the lead and like all right so we got to we got the derby we expected these two big horses are going to hook up you know and so a lot of times you're looking if for anything coming from behind you're going to look outside rather than inside because usually that's where they're coming from and so i i kind of took a peek back and i saw another horse and then and as a just like they're getting closer to the wire i see this red and white blur and it's the silks of rich strike and thank god there's only one horse in the 20 horse derby with red and white silks it was rich strike so i see i see this horse blasting through on the inside and i'm just like rich strike and, and it just like i'm like what it can't be rich strike because he's got no chance the horse just doesn't figure whatsoever in the race is the last horse you'd be looking for and, and here he is and he wins the Kentucky Derby and it was like it was like no other Derby I'd called because it, it was just so unexpected and so late that he made his move and, and it was crazy but uh, I'm glad I picked him up and uh, the Churchill Downs track announcer Travis Stone picked him up at the exact same time I did uh, and uh, you know of course you you get I, I love the comments on Twitter you know you're and YouTube, it's either the greatest race call of all time or you're a, a moron because you didn't pick up the horse sooner. Uh, so I think it's somewhere in between those two, to be honest. It was very good. It was, but, and watching the video of you, I think just adds to it to see you just how shocked you were and the, how emphatic you were about how much of a shock this was. You nailed it with the video and everything, and, and it was um, a fantastic season. Uh, as always, uh, Larry Comus, we appreciate you jumping on board. Great stories. Uh, obviously, uh, the Triple Crown season is in the books, but now what for Larry? Uh, this summer, I'm, I'm going to be home here at Monmouth Park uh, working for TVG as an analyst. Uh, so that's something new that I've been doing for the last year, TVG, the Horse Racing Network. Uh, I just talk about the races in between them rather than call them. My next race-calling job will be at Kentucky Downs, which uh, runs in September, and it's all the way down at the Tennessee border. Uh, great racing, huge purses, and one of the hardest places to call races you could imagine. The, the, the zigs and zags of this racetrack are unlike any track in America. So I'm going to be doing that. And then, of course, at the, in the fall, I'll call the Breeders' Cup for NBC at Keeneland. So uh, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun and, and looking forward to going back there to Lexington and and uh, calling the Breeders' Cup again, which is always a, a lot of work, and a, but a lot of fun because uh, it's always great racing. Uh, he's the voice of the Triple Crown, horse racing in general. Now, have you called other sports? Have you called any baseball, basketball, football? Uh, is there other play-by-play -play that you have done? I have not, believe it or not. Wow. I've only done racing, and I've, I've wanted to. Um, you know, there was, there was talk when I was first working – for NBC about maybe doing some track and field and and they had asked me to do a track and field meet and I, I was doing racing you know at, at Gulfstream and I couldn't get away and so the opportunity never came again um, you know but but I, I would be I mean I'm a big fan of other sports especially especially baseball I love baseball you know my my friends here in, in Jersey hate the fact that I'm a Red Sox fan uh, and my my friends in Maryland, where I grew up, hate that I'm a Red Sox fan, but I am. I'm sorry about that from my uh, Suffolk Downs days. But, uh, you know, I love all sports. The other sport I love to watch is golf. I just think it's so much, so much fun to watch golf. And people are like, why? Why is it so much fun? And I'm just it's just it's just the 
something about it. I can't even explain what it is, but I could just sit at home and watch golf all day. Well, we appreciate you jumping on with us here, and uh, obviously uh, we wish you luck in the future. Hopefully you get another triple crown. Hope you get another long shot. Hopefully you can continue to entertain us with your calls. Larry Colmas, the voice of the triple crown on NBC Sports, and he was kind enough to join us here on the Announcer Schedule podcast. Thank you so much, Larry. You're Thanks, very Larry. Welcome. All right, Larry Colmas, everybody here. He was kind enough to join us. And, Phil, we uh, we need to end today's show maybe with uh, – I got some stuff queued up from Larry here. I do have his rich strike call. So why don't we uh, kind of have that call bring us uh, to the home stretch here. You all right with that? Sounds great. Here we go. Take a look. Zozos is next after three quarters in one minute, ten and four foot seconds. And now Epicenter comes splitting horses and is moving up quickly as Crown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Crown Pride battling with Messier. They're stride for stride. Epicenter and Zozos in behind them. Cyberknife swings up on the outside. Sandon gets the rail run and they're into the stretch. And it's Messier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandon is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandon, these two strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandon, reach strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. So there you go. Uh, You know, I think it's a historically great call. You could hear the shock in his voice as he takes the lead. I know he said, uh, some people have said this and that, but I think the shock of how long of a shot this was and where he came from, the impact of him. Now, if he didn't nail it like he did, you might say, well, why didn't you notice him coming up? You could hear in his voice the shock, and he just explained to us, the shock of that horse coming from where he came from to win that race. That's why I think it was a historically great call. Yeah, I think it's a call for the ages, too, for those exact reasons. No one saw Rich Strike coming from there. I mean, if, if he did, you're, you know, you're, you're using replay to your advantage and, and all those kind of things. I mean, what a moment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody better than Larry Colmas. Now, uh, I, he did talk about the race that um, referred to uh, that we referred to with the, the call of my wife knows everything my wife doesn't know. Uh, have you ever heard that call? I have read about it, but I haven't heard it, so I'd love to hear it, Mike. All right, I will cue that up for us outside. here and get that ready for. All right, I got it. Here we go. Let's take a listen. This is Larry Comas at Mammoth Park, the the um, horse race that he just explained to us. Uh, from 2010. Is moving up and is now fourth and right alongside of My Wife Knows Everything. My Wife Knows Everything and The Wife Doesn't Know are moving together on the fire turn and they're coming after Lady Mutata coming to the quarter pole. Lady Mutata in front. Here come My Wife Knows Everything and The Wife Doesn't Know on the far outside. Little Miss Macho is fourth. They're into the stretch. Lady Mutata, My Wife Knows Everything. Center of the track, The Wife Doesn't Know. Into the final furlong. My wife knows everything. The wife doesn't know. They're one, two. Of course they are. My wife knows everything in front. To the outside, the wife doesn't know. My wife knows everything. The wife doesn't know. My wife knows everything. More than the wife doesn't know. 
This Tallahassee was third, and Morningside Heights was fourth. Yeah! <laughs> now, I explained when I was talking to him, I thought he nailed the part where he says, of course they are. He just casually threw that into the play-by-play call. That's a talent right there. Yeah, I mean, it's comedic, like, straight man, you know, uh, flex there throughout. <laughs> it's so good. Unbelievable. Wow. Uh, so we appreciate our guest, Larry Colmes. That was awesome. Uh, and obviously, uh, we will um, get that up on the Announcer Schedule podcast feed for you guys out there. You can listen to that in its entirety. You can listen to all of the Announcer Schedule's podcasts. You can go back, subscribe, rate, review, uh, and make sure you listen to the other podcasts on the feed uh, from the Sports Media Watch. John Lewis, TJ Reeves, they've got all of your uh, ratings and TV Insight, you got to tell me a story I don't know from George Offman, this week's guest, Ryan Dempster. And we're on Thursdays. You get the podcast here. We'll be back again next Thursday. Uh, we'll have another great guest for you here. That one was great. That one's going to be tough to top. Larry was outstanding, and we appreciate him. So before we run, Phil, is there anything, any house cleaning we have, uh, or is Episode 5 officially in the books? I think we're just about officially in the books. Just a, one more big thank you to, to Larry Colmus and really appreciate him sharing some of that insight. I mean, I was fascinated to hear you know, sort of the details of what it takes to be a race caller like he is at that level and uh, learned a lot today, no doubt. Okay, uh, Larry Colmus, our guest, uh, Phil DeMattmolin. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at AnnouncerSkeds uh, to keep up with everybody who's calling everything. And we love seeing the play-by-players and the broadcasters retweeting, following us along. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, just pop one of us a DM. Uh, we'd love to talk to you so you can tell us more about uh, your announcing and traveling and where you, how you got to where you are. We've got some good ones coming up. We do have some people scheduled that uh, stay tuned, pay attention for that, and don't forget to always check out the Sports Media Watch feed. All right, for Phil, I'm Mike Gill. And we will be back next week here on the Announcer Schedules Podcast. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.